Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a life and success coach for empaths who want to create a thriving body, business, and life. Healing my own chronic illnesses as an empath led me to become fascinated with energy and more specifically, all of the emotional, spiritual, and holistic healing modalities my doctor never told me about. I began to share my insights and journey online and over time built a powerful community and business supporting women who were also on the pathway to healing. Think of this podcast as your uncensored and no BS guide to navigating life, health, and entrepreneurship as an empath. You'll get no nonsense and totally holistic tips from me in real time as I navigate this healing journey right beside you. Now, let's get started. Today's guest is Anahata Ananda. She blends the compassion and tenderness of angelic work with the wisdom and strength of shamanic work to guide profound journeys of core healing and spiritual awakening. She is the host of the internationally acclaimed Shamangelic Healing podcast and founder of Shamangelic Healing, which is based in Sedona, Arizona, which I am dying to visit and go to someday. In today's conversation, we really just, we get raw a lot about, about a lot of things like, like we often do on the Healing Uncensored podcast. And we talk about uh, having loved ones with addiction when to leave a relationship, when to stay. We talk about reclaiming your power, talk about some of the emotional roots behind autoimmune and really being able to digest ourselves as well as rebuilding your life after trauma. 
I know you're going to learn so much from this conversation today. And I think a lot of you are really going to relate to the things that we both share as well. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the show, Anahata. I am so excited to have you here today. Sweet sister, you are a kindred soul and I'm honored. I'm so, uh, you know, in awe and respect you for your willingness to dive in and, you know, look at the underbelly of human experience and talk about it and, and talk about and, and bring real solutions to your audience. Um, mm. That is the same thing that I'm all about as well. So I know that um, we're going to have a great time and your listeners are going to love it. Mm, thank you so much. And I know you have so much to share with us. I'd love to just learn a little bit about you first as before we, we dive into the, to the juice here. What are some of the things that have been most transformative for you in your life to become the healer that you are today? Yeah. You know, um, I wasn't always doing what I have of a shamangelic healing practice in Sedona. And, you know, I, and, and it's, I, I've been doing this kind of work for two decades now. And, and, uh, you know, I followed the, the breadcrumbs of corporate. I followed the breadcrumbs of go to college, get married, have kids, you know, buy a house, have the kids, uh, have a dog, you know, more bathrooms than people in the house. <laughs> like it doesn't, it just, and I, I think I followed the breadcrumbs of somebody else's dream and, and society's expectations. And mm-hmm. within that, um, I don't think that with my upbringing, I was prepared to be in, uh, in marriage. I don't think I was prepared to be in a conscious relationship. I don't think I was prepared to learn how to handle conflict or, mm-hmm. or um, my own healing or navigate my own emotions without blame, anger, without um, addiction, sedation, um, bitching, whining, complaining, <laughs> you know, um, I think all of these, uh, these kind of unconscious habits mm-hmm. that I was modeled and that I, that got socially reinforced that I don't think I really had the tools. And I also wasn't living a life authentically that I really loved. And so mm-hmm. that combination of being ill-equipped for grown-up life and um, it not really being my aligned soul's path, that was just a Molotov cocktail for, you know, complete disaster. Yeah. Um, not complete disaster. There's a lot of beauty in my, in my life, but that was a big shift for me. Um, was going through a, what I call a marital liberation mm. um, while being a, a mother of twins that were little and kind of dismantling my whole life to rebuild it. And I think in, in that process, I turned to the healing arts. I turned to shamanism. I turned to meditation, yoga, um, and, and cleansing the physical body. And that, that whole process was the perfect thing that catalyzed me into the healing arts mm. so that I could provide resources for people going through all of those things, health crisis, divorce, addiction. I was dealing with all of that mm-hmm. and, you know, challenging relationships and healing core wounds. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have a lot of resources. And so it has been really my mission and my, my passionate calling, mm-hmm. you know, to support people going through the process of core life shifts. Yeah. Even if that's a, you know, whether it's a dismantling and a rebuilding or a spiritual awakening, like the full spectrum has been just such a great dry joy to support people through the Mm -hmm. process. You know, I find so many people, including myself, end up finding 
those little nuggets that end up being the biggest transformations in our life or our soul's purpose in those darkest moments when life does feel like it's being dismantled or falling apart. And it's like in those moments you're, you're seeking, you take on that seeker role and you really open your eyes to what has maybe been there all along, but like you're more open to receive it and start to utilize those tools in your life. And it's, it's so powerful to, to, to find those and, even if it is in the darkness, find, find those and be able to utilize those for the rest of your life. So I think, Anahata, that you are the first shaman that I've had on the show, <laughs> which I, I'm kind of like shocked. I'm over here going, we've had over a hundred episodes and I haven't had a shaman on yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 the shamanic path and shamanic healing and shamanic ceremonies and the shamanic language and the wisdom that I've acquired through diving into the, those teachings has just felt at home in my bones. Mm-hmm. It's something I already knew and, 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 and I had to get over all of my judgments about being a, 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 a you know, when I first was doing, you know, getting into that, of, of being a, a white uh, 30-something, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you know, an, uh, uh, U.S. American, and, and just give myself permission to know that this is home in my bones yeah. and that it can speak through me in ways that I have no mm-hmm. uh, control over or no you know, even to this day, a complete understanding of, but I've just surrendered into mm-hmm. that modality, shamanism, along, along with others that have woven together to create shamangelic. Yeah. And um, it has been church for me, the, mm-hmm. the going on the land, understanding how the elements can get out of balance in the physical body and the emotional body and in, in our relationships and within mm-hmm. ourselves and, and using, leveraging that as, as a, platform for understanding for healing and deeper wisdom yeah absolutely and it seems like a lot of that awakening for you was through a difficult relationship so can you talk a little bit about navigating challenges in relationship whether that's you personally or or what you advice you give to other people as well as something I, I know you're willing to talk about, which is strategies for dealing with a loved one's addiction. And my audience knows that that's something that you know, I've personally experienced in my life as well. Yeah, you know, I do a lot of work with couples. Just this, this, this last, the, the first full week of this year was five different couples coming all separately, but all for, you know, uh, weekends intensives with mm. me so that they can get what I like to do with couples, Sarah, is to have, you know, an individual session with one, an individual session with the other, so that we can get at their stuff that is affecting the relationship. Yeah. So that we can look at the patterns, we can look at the beliefs, we can look at the unresolved pain, the stories, the triggers, so that we can begin to resolve those things that, that really have not, that, that, that were shaped before the relationship and are just being triggered by the relationship. Mm. Um, the other thing, and so I think that, you know, part of being in a healthier relationship is doing your own work. Mm-hmm. The, other thing is, the other thing is, I don't think any of us were really raised with conscious tools around how to be in a healthy relationship. Most of, you know, with myself and with most of my clients, there was chaos in the household or, you know, absenteeism, even if both parents were there, they weren't there, mm-hmm. or anger or... Um, maybe being smothered and doted over without the space to do it yourself and think for yourself. I mean, we all have 
um, some perhaps unconscious patterns that was modeled and then socially reinforced. Mm -hmm. And, and we all, I mean, I don't know, I learned how to fight. Like, I mean, with my words, I learned how to land a dagger so precisely to hurt somebody so quick. I was taught by the masters and um, I was, I was never taught, hey, you know, that, that there's a tender heart over there. Yeah. And, you know, those lethal exchanges, even if you feel at the end that, hey, I got the last word or all I showed you. And it's just like, yeah, I also have tremendous guilt. I also hurt somebody that I care about. And those deeper battles cause the deeper wounds that are harder to reconcile because the trust mm -hmm. has been dissolved. And, yeah. and, and, and yet we're sitting at the Thanksgiving dinner table, all kind of <laughs> passively, aggressively bitching at each other. <laughs> and, and, and there's, uh, you know, so I work a lot with couples um, and individuals on how to have more conscious relating active listening and and you know how to negotiate disagreements less codependency more respect more compassion and this is this is a process because we weren't taught it and um and i'm i'm it's been a game changer for so many relationships that have mm -hmm. have steered cleared of divorce or navigated if it was time to release done done so with a, a beauty and a grace or they're still navigating as co-parents and how do we make sure that the kids are taken care of and mm. all of those skills that we can learn in better relationship with our partners can also translate to how we are with with our kids and parents with our colleagues and with our clients and you know there is just healthy conscious communication that is missing and providing unnecessary conflict in what would normally be a you know maybe a wonderful soul connection but we just mm -hmm. our baggage and we don't have the tools to navigate conflict so we just hurt each other and so eventually have to break up because we've eroded the trust Mm -hmm. We know there's no more respect and, and, and we don't even have the tools to rebuild at that point. Yeah. So that's why I love to work with couple, couples that are, you know, proactively sinking and hey, how can we improve? Yeah, they want, they want to improve. And with, with my brother, so we weren't, well, we had a relationship, but yeah. uh, we were not a couple, obviously, but this is somebody who it, it was a very big part of my life and there were moments when I did have to walk away from our relationship and I had to just last year for most of the year actually say hey I, I can't I can't do this uh, and it it was because he was also like you just mentioned really good at using his words as a dagger and just piercing piercing the heart and what I came to realize was, and maybe I always knew, but sometimes it hurt anyways, was those, those piercing, daggering words were um, defense mechanism for his own wounds. Yeah. And there was so much uh, pain that he was experiencing internally. And so I just, I'd love to dive deeper into navigating a relationship, whether it's a family member or a romantic partner that is struggling with addiction, how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we support them? Because I never stopped loving my brother and I, I still love my brother, but, um, I did have to walk away sometimes. Yeah. I, I, I first and foremost want to honor your grief process and the waves of 
anger, frustration, guilt, disappointment, what if, should I have, you know, I wish it was different. And so um, in this process, in the wake of that, first of all, I just want to honor you and what you're going through. And thank you. Um, you know, I know that you have an arsenal of tools that you have most certainly through this process been, mm. been leveraging. And so first of all, honoring what you're feeling. And I too um, have a brother that is um, navigating addiction and has been doing so for 40 years. Wow. So he has been a wonderful teacher for me in this way. And the truth is we deeply care about them, whether, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a colleague, if they're dealing with alcohol, whether it's, it's, it's a sex addiction, whether it is addiction to, you know, Netflix, whether it is addiction to a harder substance um, or, or pain meds, um, that is a clue. That's an indication that there's deep, deep, deep core wounds that they are not at this moment ready and willing to address, they either don't know how, they don't have the tools, or they were programmed that asking for help or that that that, that looks weak. And this is not uncommon with men mm -hmm. because don't feel, don't cry, don't talk about it, uh, you know, amplifies the oppression, yeah. which means that if I can't be vulnerable and there's no place for me to share and that's shamed, well, then all the, my only option is to sedate and numb. And I'm going to be in denial about that because I'm also deeply embarrassed that I don't have the strength to, you know, that, that this has a greater control. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't like, and this was in my case, I certainly don't like my little sister mm. bringing her judgment. This was in my situation, not yours. But I, I realized that even though I was coming from a place of love, I was also bringing my, my judgment over, uh, over into his lane Yeah, that he shouldn't do that. He should be stronger. He, he should know better. And, um, although it was with good intent, I think my love was wrapped in judgment paper, control and manipulation paper, because ultimately I wasn't comfortable with his decisions that are not about me. Mm. They're not about me. Mm -hmm. They're about him. And, um, in trying to get him to rehab, in trying to get him to sober up, I think I just, I made it worse. Honestly, when I was going through the process initially, um, in my 20s and 30s is, is that I was coming with the only tools I know how, which I think was making it worse. And it took me a while to figure out he has the right to make his own choices. He has the right to hide under a rock God knows I've done that. Mm -hmm. He has the right to say sedate. God knows I've done that and do it still in different ways. They may be more socially acceptable ways, mm -hmm. whatever. It doesn't matter. We, we all have our little teddy bears in different forms that we don't want to let go of. Mm -hmm. um, we all have these patterns of, of things that are sabotaging ourselves and coping me mechanisms that aren't necessarily healthy. And so the advice that I would give is just to honor that this person is in their classroom of their own creation and they're navigating it as best they can yeah. and to have compassion for the struggle and the pain and leave your judgment over here. Mm -hmm. Of course you would do it differently. It's not your soul's path. Of course it doesn't make sense for you because those are not the decisions you would make. Mm -hmm. And I had to really bring my judgment on my side of the, uh, of the fence, but I also needed to, keep my heart open in the process because what I was doing, well, if you're not going to change, well, then um, it closes the doorways to my heart. Mm. And 
so a couple things is is to leave the judgment on this side but also but leave the heart over there mm -hmm. um unconditional love that I love you whether you sober up or not. I love you whether you get incarcerated. I love you whether you overdose. I love you whether you take your own life. I love you whether you get in a drunk driving accident. My love stays put. Mm -hmm. And that, that really stretched me to look at how conditional my love was because it was based on his sobriety. Mm -hmm. It was based on whether or not he was honest. And, you know, that's I got to witness that my unconditional, my, my conditional love was, was hurtful. And uh, the other thing that I also had to come into awareness, which was a deep, deep um, journey for me, was to not be attached to the outcome. Yeah. I, and I realized that there is a sovereignty that he has will. And, and so do I. And I may choose to stay in this life. I may choose to sober up. And I've chosen both of those things. Um, but that's my journey and he'll have his own journey and his own capacity and in his own lessons. And it's about respecting somebody's right to make the choice, even if you don't respect the choice. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, I don't respect the choice, but I can respect the right for another soul that is navigating their capacities, which I will never completely understand. Mm -hmm. I can respect their right to choose it without attachment. Mm -hmm. which means I had to come to a place where I trusted that it was going to work out in whatever way it needed to yeah. and to be at peace, whether that meant DUI, incarceration, um, overdose, whatever, that mm -hmm. it wasn't about me ha imposing my agenda mm -hmm. for the right outcome that fit my comfort level. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a big outcome for for him to have passed like mm -hmm. that's the ultimate i'm done yeah. and we now get to have you now get to have an ally on the other side mm -hmm. you know that is is without those limitations and barriers to his own love for you and now you get to have a more clear relationship with him and mm -hmm. his life in the grand scheme of things is definitely not over yeah. His human experience, yes, that embodiment, but his soul's life is like, he's on a journey. So I, mm -hmm. I had to give permission for me not to impose my judgment or my attachment to how long or the expectation of his soul's time in this body and how yeah. his ending or life was supposed to go. It's not my business. Yeah. Releasing control is something that is uh, been a journey for me since his passing. Well, really my whole life, but it's really come for me the last month on learning how to release control. This was not my choice to make. It wasn't a choice I made. This was his, like you said, his soul's journey, his choice, his, his decision. And, and, you know, I think also in addiction and there's, plenty of other people I know who struggle with addiction in their lives beyond my brother, who's again, no longer in his, in his human body, at least here with us. Uh, and I find that they're all dealing with, we are all dealing with some wound, some, some pain, some wound. And so I, I found as a theme that shows up is also pushing the people who do love them away. And I found that with my brother that he, he would almost test me and be like, is your love unconditional? I'm going to push your buttons to like the highest degree. I'm going to push you away. And, and like, 
will you still love me? And ultimately there was times when I freaking hated him (laughs) and I was so angry and I was heartbroken, you know, just all the emotions, but I can confidently say that when he truly needed me, I was still there for him and that I still always loved him. But my question is around that pushing away that I think we can see in people who are struggling maybe for their lives with addiction that they they tend to push us away even when we want to be there to support them. Right. Well, part of it is um, usually those people quote close to us worry the most and they've seen us in a better time. Mm. And so just being in the presence of somebody that can, that is looking at us with that, that fear the hope, the remembering, and the expectations of it just being in the presence of somebody like that, mm-hmm. um, even if it's somebody that loves us, can feel like we're um, unworthy. And um, it's like not- he knew I wanted him to be better. And so, and like without me saying anything, just like an inner knowing, Sarah wants me to get sober and to be healthy and blah, blah, blah. And, and there's these invisible expectations maybe that yeah. even just being around me, then he felt the pressure of. Yeah. And, and even if you're being like all cool about it and just being loving about it, that's where, where somebody that is feeling bad, feeling low, um, doesn't really want to be seen in that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a protective measure to, mm-hmm. to, to kind of protect uh, that part of us that is, uh, we're vulnerable in our lowest points. And then, and, and that's, we, you know, it's, 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 it's hugely traumatic for the ego to be in that place of, of, of being seen in our lowest places. And so, yeah. uh, and so with that, we get to give them space and this is where the power of prayer or sending blessings where, mm. where you're not invading their space, but you're giving them space and I'm right here. And then every once in a while you just touch base or you reach out and, and, uh, but that never stops me from sending vibrations of, and I'm here to support and may whatever you need in whatever form, because it might be from a stranger. It might be easier to take from a stranger. It might be easier to call a support line than to call you Yeah, just because of the anonymity is safer. Mm-hmm. So I also would send prayers to just say, Hey, may you get whatever support you need in this lifetime or another in whatever form it takes, whenever time is in aligned with your soul's path. I wish that for you. I love you. I care about you. And I release attachment. And I'm sending blessings that whatever support you need comes in the form and at the time that you need it. Yeah. So that that way, it doesn't have to be me. If I think it has to be me, now that's my story. Because I don't want to be the sister Mm -hmm. that wasn't there because that's really about my ego and my value and how I'm judged as a sister. Right. And, or how I'm seen. And so then I, I, I get to look at how much of this is about me making sure that I'm the good sister in this. And so I had yeah. to check some of my agendas there to be wanting to be the rescuer mm-hmm. and also wanting to stop his pain because, you know, and stop his addictions because it, it, it bothered me. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's my stuff. That yeah. isn't his stuff. Like I need to get real with this and I need, like, this is my opportunity to do my work mm-hmm. to, 
to uh, grieve, be angry, have my, you know, throw my tantrum about it, learn my lesson about it, and and then sleep well at night knowing that he will be okay no matter what choice he makes mm -hmm. because he also has his guardian angels around him and it's not all on my shoulders, but my responsibility is to keep sending my love his way mm -hmm. and intuit and listen and read in which way is that going to be supportive, which might need to give him space. Yeah. This is so powerful. This is such a good point because I also resonate with trying to be the fixer and Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over here. Yeah. And, you know, making things that were not my responsibility, my responsibility when they truly, they truly weren't. Um, and I, I learned that in my early twenties and was able to release a lot of that responsibility, but there were still so many moments where that old limiting belief would come back up where it's like, Oh, I really want to jump in and fix right now. And I know what's best for you. When the truth is, I don't know what's best for that person. Like it is their choice. It is their path. It is their journey. And I know so many of the women listening have experienced either relationships or they know people in their life who have struggled with addiction, who they want to, to help and they want to love and they want to support. And there's, you know, some trauma that can come up around those relationships as well as all the other flavors of trauma that we experience or may have experienced in our lives as human beings. So when we, when we do navigate something like this, or we experience loss or uh, many women listening have experienced trauma around chronic illness in their bodies, how do we reclaim our our power and start to rebuild after those those challenging experiences in our life. Right. Thank you for that. And and um, yes, yes, and yes to all of that. <laughs> to to speak to that part uh, is that a lot of times it's unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, "Of course, I want to help." Whether I tried to help change my father's diet, my brother's drinking and drug addiction, you know, my children's choices, like it doesn't stop there. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the chronic fixer and the smother, you know, is uh, the intention is good. We care about people. Right. And I, you know, I have been unraveling and un, you know, peeling back. And how do I do this in a way in which whether I do this, which in a way in which is supportive and not oppressive, not judgmental, not controlling, so that, that I'm giving space for them to come to the answer. I'm giving space for them to do it their way. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times that I, 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 I really wanted to impose my will as being the fixer, yeah. it was unsolicited. And that caused more, just the fact that it was unsolicited, caused more problems because I wasn't really honoring that there is not a space here to listen for input or guidance. And I'm not giving space for them to listen to their own inner guidance and find a, an answer or a solution that works and fits for them. Or they might not want a solution or answer. And so um, I had to stand down a lot with my energy around that and bite my tongue and hold my, you know, space so that I can, I can nurture the seed within them to solve it rather than say here and, and push forward and here's what you do, which doesn't allow them to find it. Mm -hmm. And that, that really isn't a gift. If, if I give somebody the answer, then they don't learn how to find it um, or they don't learn how to identify the problem and, and find the solution. And then I've created codependency, yeah. which is not 
healthy. You know, that's just feeding my ego, not resolving the solution for them. Mm. So there's that. And um, yes, I think as women, we tend to take on what isn't ours. And as daughters, as sisters, as, as, as partners, as mothers, um, this tends to be kind of the feminine way is to be sensitive to what the whole tribe is feeling and being aware of what the whole tribe is feeling. And we want to be aware of what is happening. And that's our sensitivity to sense something's not right, something it needs to change. And that doesn't mean it is our responsibility or our ability to, because we don't have the will within somebody else's life to make the change right. for somebody else. And so especially when we're children and we're more empathic, we can tend to take on dad's anger and mom's insecurity and like all of those, these judgments, those expectations. We don't realize that a lot of what we're holding, which actually contributes to immune system disorders and body disease is that, wow, I'm holding something I can't digest because it's not mine. It belongs to my brother belongs to my partner. It belongs to my sister. It belongs to um, that group of people. And I, I really can't, I can't, I don't have the ability to transmute it because I didn't create it. Mm-hmm. I can have compassion for the pain and suffering that is happening, for the lesson that this is showing. And I can be in this place of, of, of being a space holder on the sidelines of somebody else's journey. But to make it my own, and I realized I did this one time with a friend who was going through relationship troubles in college. Like long before I ever took on this training, I was always being the little busy body fixer thing. And I remember when saying to a friend, um, saying, well, we discussed this, what we were going to do about this. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And it was her problem and her issue and her life, I, had, yeah. <laughs> I had made it mine. And it was like, come on, sisters, we can care without holding a burden. Mm-hmm. We can hold space without holding the problem as our own, without holding our breath that, is he going to sober up? Are they going to, you know, is she going to break up with him? You know, are they going to fix their finances? Because then we hold our breath. Mm-hmm. And that is all having to do with the solar plexus and like immune system and being in a trauma. And if we're holding everybody else's traumas, then we're never at peace. We have our own shit to do with, for yeah. God's sakes. <laughs> and so... I'm still navigating how to unravel the habitual tendency to be all up in everybody else's business. I can still care, mm-hmm. especially with the, you know, having global access to with what, with, with what is happening with the environment and animals going extinct and the economy and politics and, you know, oppression in so many forms as women and as sensitive women, we can take it all on and feel like, when, and when we do, and the weight of the world literally is on our shoulders, then we can't fix anything and we can't, and, and, and then it affects our health. Mm-hmm. As you know, as I know, and we're both still, you know, navigating out of un- unraveling those things that have, those choices that have affected our physical health. Yeah. This is fascinating. And <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw me scribbling notes down over here. I was like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> These are things I need to remember and that I want to emphasize to, to all the listeners. And 
there was just so many golden nuggets in there. I, I thank you so, so much. What, what else do you feel like we missed out today or left out that you would leave our listeners with as any last thoughts? I think that when we turn the focus inward on self and our addictions and our pain and our emotions and sense what's going on with my body where is my inner child been neglected or avoided where am i not shining my light where am i giving my power away to this person or that situation or that belief mm -hmm. where is my heart closed behind walls because i'm holding resentment or a grudge and not in a forgiving space to myself or to this person or that person where have i not honored my voice mm -hmm. uh, where can i see things more clearly uh, where can I see the bigger picture at a soul level, what's happening and where can I deepen my spiritual connection? And what I just walked you through was the chakras, yeah. you know, of, of let's take inventory with self sisters. And I would love to give, give the audience a chakra, a free a chakra balancing guided visualization. How about that? Amazing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to kind of help guide and become aware of what is what is in my garden mm -hmm. that I've neglected? What weeds need to be, you know, released? And so I think that our our deepest journey, healing journey, is to heal thyself, so that we can hold the space of compassion for our partners, mm -hmm. for our siblings, for uh, our coworkers, our parents, our children, so that we can hold more of a whole space. Um, with compassion and in our healthy, in our health mm -hmm. and in our heart, because otherwise we're just poison for the situation anyway. Otherwise we're, we're part of the toxicity, you know? <laughs> um, and so I, I think that the journey is, is to start with self and, and uh, I'm here, the, the shamangelic healing, um, you know, the shamangelic healing in Sedona is, is designed for private sessions for we have a retreat coming up in march that's just for a little weekend for the spring equinox we have mm -hmm. a, a goddess a, you know like a super high-end pamper yourself goddess tropical uh, caribbean crew like a, a, a yacht that we're, i'm taking six women on mm -hmm. and you know there's online courses there's the shamangelic healing podcast which we're going to have you on there's online courses and coaching and all of that I, I, I just truly want um, my sisters to hear that they're not alone and that you and I and so many others are here to empower um, each of us to shine our light, reclaim our voices and love ourselves and others with, with, with fewer conditions and, mm -hmm. and um, rock our power and our beauty and our grace uh, out in, in, into the community. That's a beautiful note to end on. And thank you so, so much. I'll be sure to put the links to your resources as well as that chakra balancing into the show notes for everyone to access. And thank you again for your time today. Oh, thank you for everything that you're doing, sister. I love and respect you. And you just got to come over here to Sedona and we'll go play on the <laughs> land and I would and love to. With nature. Yeah, I look forward to that. That's a date. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in today. 
This episode was brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. You guys have heard me talk about them a couple times in the last month, and this company is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet. And this is an undertaking that I've been going through really not in just one year, one day. It's taken me several years to really make over all of the toxic products and uh, things I was putting into my body as a whole. I remember when I first got started on that journey, I didn't really know where to start. Where do you start ditching toxins? Where do you start ditching toxic products in your life? And my medicine cabinet used to be filled with NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, cough medicine, cough drops, like just all sorts of things that now you look in my bathroom or in my little shelf in my office and it is completely transformed, which is why I'm so grateful to have companies that are dedicated to creating natural products that are straight from the earth, that they've obsessively researched and test, and that are going to allow you to build that non-toxic lifestyle that truly supports your body, not just the band-aid over the symptoms that so many of us experience and we're so frustrated and we're looking for solutions for, but to also help get to the root cause of what's really going on in the body and be able to support it every single day on a on a cellular level. So that's why I love companies like Beekeepers Naturals to help us in that process of reinventing our medicine cabinet and having products that that actually work that makes it so much better my favorite is the propolis throat spray that i've been using every day and contains over 300 beneficial compound compounds including many antioxidants as a reminder you can use code healing uncensored at checkout to save 15% off your first order that URL you can also go to is beekeepersnaturals.com backslash healing uncensored for 15% off your first order. Thank you all so much for tuning in. It has been a pleasure. It is always so much fun to create these episodes for you. And so humbling to know that there's an earphone in your ear or you're listening in your car. Or you got it turned up while you're doing the dishes, whatever you're doing right now. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in.